So, I believe in the power of prayer. I do. We're going to share a good, powerful message today. And I first want to talk, yesterday's outreach was awesome. However, one of our family got hurt. We love her, and I'm going to pray over her. And I also have, I'm going to also pray over Dee, and I also have an aunt in Las Vegas who watches us online who's having a very uh, important surgery this week, so I'm going to pray over her. So let's pray. Father, I lift up this group to you, Lord God. I lift up Diana, Lord God. I pray healing on her body, Lord God. Her willingness to serve you, Lord God, is just it just, it just outweighs everything else, Lord. And Father, I lift up Dee to you right now, and she's trying to recover, Lord. She wants to go home, and she needs the strength, Lord. And if it's in your will for her to build that strength and go home, Lord, we pray that you strengthen her, put her up on her feet, and send her home, Lord. And Father, I pray for my aunt right now who's at home in Las Vegas, Lord. I lift her up to you, Lord God. I want your healing hands in the, in the, in the surgery room, Lord God. Let the doctors do what they need to do and bring her out of this stronger and, and, and living well, Lord. I just lift this group up to you in Jesus name amen you know there's a lot uh, wow oh what am I'm so excited I could go in 40 directions I just want to get going on this message today um, I live by a saying that I was taught a long time ago and it has stood true and firm in my life and I'd like to share it with you because I encourage you to start doing it. Do what you can in the natural and let God do the supernatural. My friend told me that well over 10 years ago. Chris, stop worrying. Stop trying to make it happen. Do what you can in the natural and let God do the supernatural. That's exactly what he told me. And, and that's not something that you're just going to jump up overnight tomorrow and be like, man, I've let all my worries and stress go, and I just let God do the supernatural now, and I just, you know, I wake up every day, and I just feel like I'm on a cloud of rainbows, and life's so fantastic now because I've given all my worries and care over to him like he told me to do. I encourage you, do what you can in the natural and let God do the supernatural. When you do that, amazing things happen. Skip and I were on the phone Friday, um, and we were talking about the outreach. And we were like, you know, what's the plan? What are we going to do? This is what we're going to do. We're going to show up. We're going to be there. We're going to be the presence of God in the middle of the Bakkai Chinese New Year Parade for whatever year of the animal it is. I don't know. But we're going to be there. We're going to be the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do what we can in the natural, and we'll let God do the supernatural. That's exactly what I told him on the phone. And we had a great time, even when Diana fell, and she got loved and cared on. We had a great time. So, you know, uh, you will hear me use that phrase a lot. As long as I'm up here, you're going to hear me use that phrase a lot. You're going to hear me use that phrase when I'm standing there one-on-one -on -one talking with you and you're telling me about something going on in your life or something that you need to happen or, or whatever it is. That's exactly what I'm going to say to you. Do what you can in the natural and let God do the supernatural. Every person that God called was doing something when they got called. So they were doing what they could in the natural when God showed up and did 
the supernatural, right? Okay? So let me tell you why I'm going to use that phrase a lot, and I wrote it out here because I'm like, it's all bold and big letters and all capitals. And Do you know why I say that? Because I believe, I believe, it's more than a hope and more than a faith. I believe, I trust that God created this world and that he sent his son in his image with his spirit on him to die a sinner's death on the cross for my sins and that they sent their Holy Spirit to live inside of me and empower me to do amazing things. And believing that, I do what I do in the natural and I let God do the supernatural all the time in my life. And that's the way you got to live your life. So, have you ever experienced something supernatural that you can't explain? Yeah, I think some of us have. Some of us have had some odd experiences, things that you just, you can look back in your life like, I can't remember what we did the last time we were at Disneyland. It was a fantastic trip, but I don't remember anything about the day. You could show me a picture and I would say, when was that? Okay? It's not something that stands out to me, and that's an exciting moment. Like, oh, I was at Disneyland. You know, like, we grew up next to Disneyland. I went to Disneyland all the time. I don't care about Disneyland. So that's why I'll forget Disneyland pictures. Like, oh, when was that? What was that? I don't, I don't know. But how about something that supernaturally happened to you that you, to this day, you can't shake it? You're just convinced that you know it was something outside of yourself. So I always love when Pastor Mark got up here and he, he, he shared his experience as a child when he almost drowned, right? Right? Yeah. Electrocuted. You know? And, and, and why didn't he die? Remember, he tells this story. Why didn't he die? I'll tell you why he didn't die. Because God had a supernatural calling on his life and God did the supernatural. And to this day, he's living out that supernatural calling on his life. I love them and miss them. We went out to dinner with them the other day in Roseville. They love and miss you all. And um, because they're getting ready to shortly depart to their forever retired home. Lucky them. They're going down to, the, to, the, to, the Can- to their land of Canaan. The work is not over for them. Yeah, I, know you, I hope you hear me, Pastor Mark. So I'm sharing this all with you because I'm going to share with you a supernatural story that I experienced. So 20 years ago, this is 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I went to work at the local Walmart in the city of La Habra, I was working there, and um, I had experience already from Staples uh, as a commissioned salesperson, selling computers, phones, all that kind of stuff, so I went to work at Walmart, and while I was there, I was working in the electronics department, and I went into work one morning, and this man came up to me. And started to ask me about, you know, a, a computer he wanted to buy and why he wanted to buy it. So I sat there and I told this man the honest truth. I said, we don't have what you need here. I suggest you go to Fry's. I used to be a computer nerd, A-plus certified, MCSE. All the, I, I, I did a lot of computer stuff a really, really long time ago. And I got certified and all that, but I always pretend like I don't know what's going on because I don't want to do computer stuff. So... Um, so I'm, 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 I'm telling this gentleman, we don't have what you have. Realistically, you want to go to Fry's. You want to build a computer from the ground up. This is what you'll need. I would suggest this, 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 and this. And so we get engaged in this super long conversation that goes way outside of computers, 
to God's calling on my life, this guy. So to wrap this story up in a, in a short, this guy stands in the, now we're in the middle of the Walmart electronics department. We're in the middle. We're not on the outside aisle. I'm not in the back by the TVs. I'm in the middle, right between two aisles. This guy talks to me to, for about 45 minutes to an hour, telling me from computers to, God has a calling on your life, Chris, and God's going to do this, and God's chosen you, and God's going to do that. And, and this guy went on forever. Well, what makes this story supernatural? Well, first of all, I didn't have a name badge on, and I never introduced myself, and I realized after the end of our conversation that he was calling me out by my name, Chris, and I'd never told him my name, ever. Then... After he, him and I finished speaking, because at this point when you're my age, at that time I was 21, so it was like, okay, guys, let's finish it up, dude, I got to go, right? You know, okay, I got the God story, dude, I know, I know, I've been doing this a while, all right, I know, God, 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 yes, God loves me, uh-huh, got it, God's got a calling in my life, thanks, heard that before. He leaves, and immediately, you guys, immediately, after this man walks away from me, my manager walks up to me and goes, where have you been for the last hour, dude, we have been so busy and I've been looking for you. And I'd been standing right there, and I'm telling you, the whole time this guy talked to me, everybody was walking around us. So it's almost like I look back, and this is what I believe. This is what I believe, and I don't care if you don't like it. I believe there was a supernatural, divine visit because I was not visible to everybody else that was going on, everything else that was going on around me. Because my manager coming up and asked me where I've been, and I looked him in his face. I go, I've been standing right here talking to that customer. He's like, we haven't been able to find you for an hour. Like, he thought I was, like, playing hooky at work. Most people that work at Walmart, they go, they check in, they clock in, and they go hide in other areas so they don't work. So I experienced this supernatural visit. And how do I believe that? Well, I shared with you everything that happened that day. And it's one of those things I look back, and I'll never forget that day. I don't need to see it in a picture. Guess what? I see it in my head. Because it impacted me and changed the way I felt forever. And I, to this day, believe that man was either an angel or God in manifest form talking to me. That's what I believe. Dang, Chris, that was wild. I don't know if I'm coming back next Sunday. Don't care. That's what happened. That's the way I say it went down, okay? Well, how do you know, Chris? Well, here I am 20 years later, last decade of ministry and calling in my life, and here I am standing up here sharing with you that story. And that sounds crazy, right? In Foursquare, we don't like words like crazy, weird, strange. We don't like those things, especially when people start praying in tongues and telling weird stories about divine moments, right, divine encounters. Well, we're in our Abraham series, and today we're going to look at a similar story. Today we're in the confirmation series. We went through the calling of Abraham. He was Abram. The calling of Abram. The covenant with Abram. Now we're in the confirmation with Abraham. Confirmed. So today's series, uh, week one, is the Son of Promise. So it's in your notes there, Genesis 18. You know, I've been putting it in your notes every week. Chris, why do you put all these Bible verses? Because I am not good enough yet to come up with three pages of fill-ins, okay? I cannot build outlines like that yet. And, and if I had it my way, there would be no outline. I would just get up here, read God's word, and share things with you and give you a blank piece of paper so you can write your own notes on what stood out to you, not what stood out to me. You will hear what stands out to me because you will hear me emphasize it. Just kidding. Well, maybe one day, hopefully. 
Writing those is, 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 is actually, it's like, I'm, it's like trying to build it. You're like, okay, I want to get a message across. Okay, I want people to get notes. So, I mean, you're getting my notes. That's what you're getting. That outline is the things that stood out to me, the way I see it. That, that's what you're getting. So one day I may give you a blank sheet of paper. You can write your own notes and what stands out to you because guess what? We all hear it differently. Because God's going to tell you what he wants to tell you, and it's different than what he wants to tell me. That's why the, God's word is living and powerful. Every time you open it up and you read the same verse, it says something, something different to you. Why is that? Well, it's funny. You read the great Gatsby. It said the same thing every time. All right, so Genesis 18, 1 through 33. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. As he was sitting in the tent door of the heat of the day, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and a good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them, he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife. So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. Does anybody remember last week when he said that he would return and they would have a child? One year. He said, I will return to you this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have given birth to a son, and you will name him what? Isaac. Isaac. So, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, and that he is capitalized. No, but you did laugh. Stop it right there. I, I wrote 18 through 33, 1 through 33, but actually you're going to get the rest of it next week. Um, what, hap what, what just happened there, Chris? I've read this story 14 times. I've read Genesis multiple times. You know how many times, Chris, I've read Genesis and, and Exodus, and then I get halfway through Leviticus and Numbers, and I just burn out, because that law gets boring, 
And it's the same repetitive thing over and over and over. And I've read the story of Abraham so many times. There was nothing key there other than that these three strange men showed up, and we know it was God. Okay, but let's look in depth at the story. That's what we do each and every week. Your first one is Abraham receives a divine visit. Yes, Abraham receives a divine visit. Why is this divine? Well, there's a few things that are happening in this story that if you're reading fast, you've already gone past. The first thing that's divine, the location is divine. What is it about the location, Chris? Well, in Genesis 13, 18, we already read, Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron. What do you think he did there? My favorite phrase. Not in the natural, supernatural. He built an altar there. This is where he built the first altar. In Terebinth, under the Mamre tree. And he went there. So it says, Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So what else is divine about this visit? Well, the next thing that he does is he prepares a feast during this theophany. Theophany, that's a big word, Chris. Theophany is a visible manifestation to humankind. Okay? A, a visible manifestation to humankind. I didn't write that in your notes, but I'm telling it to you. That's what a theophany is. Theos meaning God. Bedouin has hospitality. You ever heard of this phrase? Bedouin? 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 Bedouin hospitality is both ancient and modern. It is a custom that nothing is too good for a guest. So at this point in the story, he's called him my, you know, he says, oh, my Lord, he's preparing this feast. You think at this point that he knows this is God. Abraham has never really had a physical manifestation of God in his life yet. You've heard that God spoke to him, God told him. We don't know realistically how these things occurred because this story is where it changes. Uh, there's a little difference here. Now, another thing, so nothing is too good for a guest, so he's treating these people like guests. That's how he saw them. He saw these three men as guests. You know, later we read about Lot's story in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was apparent that the men were different. In this story, we're not hearing that these men were different. These people look like everyday people like you and me, supernatural Walmart stuff, okay? So it is the Bedouin custom that the hosts stand while the visitors eat. So did you read that in the story? It says, so he took butter in verse 8 and milk and the calf which he prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He just stood there and treated them like guests. And remember, nothing is too good for a guest. So there's a custom here. So he's treating these people as guests. And he's, he knows they're going to pass through. Another thing that I found that was interesting in this story was we talk about time. I talk about time a lot. I'm like, from one verse to the next, you could lose five years, right? Let's look. My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Whoa, it went to 1050 quick. If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by on your servant. Please let it. Okay, so... What about the part where he says, do as you said. So Abram hurried into the tent, 
quickly make this. He ran to the herd, took a tender calf. How long do you think it took to prepare this stuff? Hours. He took a, a live animal, butchered it, and cooked it. This is hours, right? What kind of conversation are they having this whole time? Are they talking about computers? I don't know. But the reality is, well before these people clue in who they are, he's having one-on-one conversation with these guys. And one of them is God. Okay? I want to know what they talked about. Don't you? I want to know what they talked about. Because we find these divine encounters in the Bible. We're like, you know, like, Michael, I am God. Here's your mission. Have a great day. You know, that, that's not it. It's like a long dialogue here. There's a lot of dialogue that went on here that we don't read. And I'd really love to know what they talked about. Because obviously while the meal was being prepared, he sat there as a good host and had to entertain these people for hours while the food was being prepared. What did they talk about? We'll never know. It's not in here, but I want to know. So what else is interesting about this divine visit, Chris? Well, let's go to point number two. The strangers asked about his wife. Well, Chris, what's so odd about that? Well, great question. A, why did they ask about Sarah? Sarah. They called her Sarah, right, in the story. Yeah? Well, how do they know her name? B, how did these strangers know her name? How did that man in Walmart know my name was Chris? I did not tell him. How did these strangers know her name was Sarah? Well, I put here, this must have shocked Abraham and was likely the pivotal point for him to realize at this point that these were not your average strangers. He's now realizing that something supernatural is going on because, hey, I even wrote this in my notes. He might have first thought that they've heard of him through the battle. Remember the battle that had recently taken place? Maybe they heard about him through the battle, right? Great. Okay, come on. Abram, Abram and Abraham and Sarah. But guess what? A couple weeks ago, they were not Abraham and Sarah. They were Abram and Sarai. But these guys knew her new name. Did you pick that up in the story when you read it 15 times? I don't know. You tell me. So what happens next in this story? The stranger reveals himself. This stranger reveals himself. Now remember, there's hours of talk and dialogue going on here. And they're doing something supernatural. They've identified, where's your wife? First, they know he's married. Second, they know her name is Sarah. And third, how would they even know that was her new name? How? This is all divine, supernatural things happening. Things that would stick with you that would be something that you would tell others that would end up becoming written in this book and recorded. Why? Because it's something they never forgot. So this story must have got passed down. Because remember, who wrote the book of Genesis? Who wrote the Pentateuch? Moses. So, the stranger reveals himself. How does the stranger reveal himself, Chris? The promise is reaffirmed again. What's the promise? You're going to have a son. How else does the stranger reveal himself? Because he knows the time. The time is reaffirmed again with the promise in the story. Right? He says, according to the time of life, according to the time of life, according to the time, according to the time. How do you know the time if I didn't tell you? And how do you know my wife's name? Okay? 
This divine encounter at this point has opened the eyes of Abraham to realize that this is who? The Lord himself. Because I'm going to go back in the story. The end of, Oh, here we go. I got it in my notes. Appearing to him. This is the Lord himself appearing to him as a human. Abraham has not necessarily encountered or had any knowledge of angels at this point either. None. He's just a man. It's 202166 minus now he's 100. It's 2066 BC, okay? Give or take a few years. This is 2066 BC. He doesn't know about angels yet. Remember, there are three men visiting, and one of them is the Lord God himself. How does he confirm this? His identity identity is confirmed in verses 10 and 13 and 14. Because this individual consistently says, I will. I will. The great I am is also the great I will. He will. Not, my Lord who sent me will. Your God will, no, I will. This person is confirming who he is. This is God himself now revealed his identity. And that's uh, 10 through 14, look at it again. So let's read it again. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Abram and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. Sarah had passed age, so therefore Sarah laughed with herself after I've grown old. And the Lord said to Abraham, where did Sarah laugh? Shall I burly share? So uh, shall I? Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I will. I. I. This is God. This is God in the story. You have a supernatural encounter with God? Crazy, right? Crazy, strange, weird. No, it's not. It's right here. So, anything else we can draw out of that story, Chris? Absolutely. Good stuff. Husband and wife stuff. Let's go there. The gloves are off, Chris. Number four. Sarah is what, guys? She is still lacking in faith. Well, I have a great question. Why, Chris? Why is she still lacking in faith? Well, I'm going to give you some thoughts on that in a moment. Bullet point A, her doubt made her what? Sarcastic. Listen to her, listen to the way she said what she said. Come on, we're married, we're people. Uh, Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Anytime a husband or wife says something in that tone with a question mark at the end, We call that sarcasm, okay? It's not healthy, but that's what it is. We call that sarcasm. Anytime somebody, anytime a husband or wife asks the other, says says something that ends in a question with a tone, watch out, right? Watch out. Watch out. So her doubt made her sarcastic in God's eyes. But then what happened, Chris? Well, this is where I'm going to get to my point of where where I'm going to go with Sarah lacking in her faith and why it's a husband and wife thing. Because when the first thing that God did was he confronted Abraham. He did not confront Sarah yet. He confronted Abraham when Sarah responded that way. And then bullet point C, the Lord acknowledged 
her lie directly. What lie? Well, we'll read it again. So I got some notes here. These are my notes. Sarah's throwing a sarcastic tone in the tent while overhearing what is going on, right? The Bible says she laughed within herself, so I am assuming this is indicating she did it quietly. Because it says she did it within herself. But the Lord heard her and then confronted Abraham. Why did Sarah laugh? I find it interesting that God confronted Abraham first and not Sarah. It leads me to believe there was a higher accountability on Abraham. Okay? There was a higher accountability there. Why, Chris? Because he was the one who was given the calling and he was the one who was given the promise. So what was his job to do with his wife? To convince her, to, 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 to build her up that this is what God has said. Apparently, from her words in the tent, she does not, she is not bought in. This is 24 years later. This is 24 years, a quarter of a century of Abram's job to convince his wife that this is what God's going to do. And at 24 years later, he has not done a good job of it. He has not done a good job of convincing his wife because she, these strange men are outside, know her name, all this is going on, and she's still doubting with a sarcastic tone. So, Abram was being, Abraham was being held to a higher accountability for her actions. He then confronted her directly, showing her that she was responsible for her response to the Lord's promise and confirmation. It was, God that, it was God that confronted her, not not Abram. I'm sorry in my notes. It was God that confronted her. Why? Because if I go here to verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. It says, and he said, but the he is capitalized. So it is God who is saying, and he said, no. But you did laugh. So, in the case of Abraham being confronted first, defending husbands here. Just kidding. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Was this possibly because God could see he had not been doing a good job of assuring her of God's promise? Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. 24 years. God said he would do this. Okay, remember, let's look at this. Either she thinks her husband's a crackpot. Why would you say that? Because 24 years ago, they left their father's household where they had probably, they had livestock. They had a heritage. They had a heritage. Maybe he was a third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation farmer and herdsman. I don't know. But you took us from that 24 years ago. Then you brought me to this barren place and you built this rock thing to this God guy. And then when he was supposed to show up, we started running out of food. And we had to go to Egypt. And then when you took me to Egypt, we, then you lied about who I was, and you almost got our marriage in trouble, and then we got sent back out, and then there was war, and then all this was going on, and then I gave you Hagar, and that didn't work out, and now you're still trying to tell me I'm going to have a baby? You feel it? So what's going on here? Don't come to my house. Get some passion in our, in our heated things. Had he been people-pleasing his wife, here's my, my, my last thought on this. Had he been people-pleasing his wife's thoughts and doubts all these years? What does a good, what does a good husband do? 
it, it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know either now. Hagar, Hagar sounds like a good idea. Thanks. Right? I mean, come on. Come on, people. This is, this is, this is in the Bible, man. You got you to gotta dig into this stuff. You got to read this stuff. You got to read between the lines. That's what I love. I love doing this. I love getting up here and just reading between the lines for you guys. I'm not adding that. You can't make this stuff up. It's here. No, you can't make this stuff up. They, I say it all the time. Hey, the Bible's most rated X book. My wife asked me this morning, you're not talking about circumcision again, are you? I said, no. I said, but the Bible, but the Bible is the most rated R, rated X book that there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's in this Bible that's like, you know, it's not for kids. Not right away. Teach them the Ten Commandments, good things, Noah, Jonah. Don't, don't go into, don't take them everywhere yet. So, <laughs> had he been people-pleasing his wife all these years? We don't know. We'll, we'll find out later, right, when all things are revealed to us. Um, what, what, supernatural, what supernatural encounter has or hasn't happened in your life? Are you going to treat God like a good host? You know, are we going to be, are we going to one day, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that. Him say, I never knew you. you know, the Bible says that'll, that's, that's going to happen. Who are we? Are we the faithful few? Every week I show up and we're the faithful ones. And you know something? I'm not saying that anybody else is unfaithful. I'm just waiting for God to bring more faithful ones. Like Skip talked about this morning. One day, every seat in this room will be full. Period. As my wife says, y punto. That means, and period in Spanish. That's what Spanish mothers say to their kids when they're, that's it. And that's it. There's nothing more to say. Y punto. Y punto. I know it sounds bad, but that's. Well, the first time I heard it, I'm all, what? She goes, that means period. She said, when my mom said something growing up, she looked at me and she said, y punto. It was over. Shut up. We're done talking. Every seat in this room is going to be full. You speak life into your life. Speak life into this church. Speak life into these seats. Do what we can in the natural and let God do the supernatural. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. Lord, we are a family, not a building. Lord, I thank you. Lord, we're here. We're going to faithfully show up every week. We are going to do what we can in the natural. We're going to come in. We're going to deal with sound problems and computer problems and, and people problems. It doesn't matter. We're going to show up in the natural. We're going to be willing to serve, willing to work, willing to do what we have to do, and we are going to let you do the supernatural. We know that you are going to fill these seats. We believe and we trust you to do it. We speak life over it so that you, you, we want you to act on it. We thank you. We lift you up, Lord. We, we, we're here worshiping you right now in song, in praise, in your word, in your teachings, in our fellowship. 
Let, our, let us continue to be a, a spiritual act of worship. Everything that we do, our lives are a spiritual act of worship to you. Be with us outside of this building. Be with us when we're at home with our families. Be with us. Speak through us. Do what you need to do. We will do the natural and let you do the supernatural. We trust you. We believe you. We honor you. We're going to show up next week. We thank you for what you've done today. In Jesus' name, amen.